What should be the goal when we pray? Here's Pastor John Randall with a thought. Prayer is to see God's will being accomplished. It is to align myself with His will for my life, and therefore I come in prayer with a submitted heart before the Lord. He knows the things that I have need of, even before I ask them, and He also knows what is best for my life. And so we pray. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. The Bible tells us that men ought always to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Prayer for the Christian is not to be the last resort, but it is to be the first resort. It's good to be with you, and welcome again to A Daily Walk. Have you ever given up on something too soon? I think we've all been there. Maybe you quit a job out of frustration and later regretted it. Or perhaps you threw in the towel after a year or two of piano lessons and wish you hadn't. Sometimes we give up too soon in prayer when we don't see an answer as quickly as we'd like. And that's a big mistake. Today on A Daily Walk, we'll see how important it is to persevere in prayer. Pastor John Randall gleans vital prayer principles from Luke chapter 18 today. Luke chapter 18. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Jesus now begins to teach once again in what are known as parables. We've noted throughout Luke's gospel that a parable comes from two words, meaning to throw alongside of. A parable was a common, everyday illustration thrown alongside of a spiritual truth, an earthly story that had a heavenly meaning attached unto it. This particular parable had to do with prayer. That is what Jesus said. It says that he spoke this parable that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. You find that throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus, that prayer was a priority. Luke records the many times in which Jesus prayed. In Luke chapter 3, for example, at his baptism, we find that Jesus was praying and that the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. In Luke chapter 4, we read of Jesus ministering all night, and then very early in the morning, he departed to a deserted place, and I believe that there he prayed and met with his Father. In Luke chapter 6, before Jesus selected 12 apostles to serve alongside him in the ministry, it says that he was up all night praying. In Luke chapter 9, thousands of people had gathered to hear Jesus preach near the shores of Galilee, and the Bible tells us that with only a few loaves and fish in his hand, he prayed. 
and those fish and loaves were multiplied and multitudes were fed. In Luke chapter 9, we read of Jesus going up onto the Mount of Transfiguration where he prayed and he was transfigured. And Peter, James, and John were able to see a glimpse of the Lord's glory. Then in Luke chapter 10, when the 70 returned from a successful missionary journey, it says that Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and he prayed to his father a prayer of thanksgiving. And then, of course, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gave unto his disciples a model that they were to follow when they prayed. Jesus made prayer a priority. And when Jesus prayed, powerful things happened. Those who were demon-possessed, when Jesus prayed for them, they were delivered. When Jesus prayed, storms became calm. When Jesus prayed, the Father would respond audibly, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There was power attached to the prayers of Jesus. That is why the disciples, I believe, said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to know how to pray like you pray. It was Charles Spurgeon that said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Pastor Chuck often said that the most important thing a born-again Christian can do is pray. He said that prayer does not change the purpose of God, but prayer does change the action of God. Prayer is a powerful weapon in the life of the believer. One man said that Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. But we need to understand the purpose of prayer and the goal that we are to have in mind when we pray. Prayer is the privilege and the means whereby I can communicate with my heavenly father. I can come to the Lord anytime from any place and I can come boldly before his throne of grace to obtain help in time of need. I can bring my requests before my heavenly father and I know that if I ask anything according to his will for my life, that I can have confidence that he will answer. But it is important to understand the real purpose of prayer. Prayer is to see God's will being accomplished. It is to align myself with his will for my life. And therefore, I come in prayer with a submitted heart before the Lord. He knows the things that I have need of even before I ask them. And he also knows what is best for my life. And so we pray. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. The Bible tells us that men ought always to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Prayer for the Christian is not to be the last resort, but it is to be the first resort. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you at the present time in your relationship with the Lord cultivating a life of prayer? Do you take time to be alone with the Savior and pour out your heart before him with your requests, with your praise, with your adoration? Do you echo the words of the psalmist in your prayer life when he said in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God, and early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. But there is a challenge that every believer faces 
when they engage in prayer to which Jesus addresses within this parable. Yes, it is true, we are to pray. But Jesus also said, men are always to pray. And notice, not lose heart. How many have been quick to lose heart in the midst of praying, grow weary while in prayer, and sometimes even give up instead of persevere in prayer? Probably for most of us, that is something that we have struggled with from time to time. We have prayed, we've sought the Lord, and yet the Lord doesn't seem to be answering in the way that we expected him to or responding in the timing in which we desire him to. This parable explains one of the necessary elements of prayer, which is perseverance. We read a moment ago of two characters found within this parable. One was an unjust, ungodly judge, and the other was a poor, helpless widow. Jesus revealed that this judge within the story did not fear God, nor did he regard men. In those days, it was not uncommon to have judges that would rule over the people who were very corrupt. If they were Roman judges, they could receive bribes, and this would then alter their judgment. The judicial system wasn't necessarily fair. Jesus then speaks of a widow within the story who came to this unjust judge, and she pleaded her cause. Luke, more than any other gospel writer combined, talks about widows in his gospel. But a widow had many things against her in that culture. For one thing, she was a woman. And in those days, women did not have many rights to speak of. Furthermore, being a widow, she had no husband to be her covering to plead her case before the court. Also, she was poor, and therefore she could not come up with the money to bribe the judge to rule in her favor. It would seem that everything was against her. There would be many obstacles for her to overcome. And one would look at the situation and think, why even attempt to approach a judge who's not going to listen to you? You have nothing going for you. This poor, helpless widow had one thing going for her, and that was her perseverance. She kept on, it says, coming and standing before the judge. I imagine that if the judge showed up in the courtroom, that she was the first one that he would see. And at the end of the day, when he left the courtroom, she would be the last person that he saw, maybe even followed him to his house, asking him, pleading with him to rule in her favor. She would not give up. And therefore, Jesus tells us that the judge, after a while, it says that afterward, he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. The judge acknowledged he did not fear God, nor that he feared man. But this widow, he said, kept on troubling him, and he was becoming weary, and so he ruled in her favor because of her persistence. When the judge complained that this woman would weary him, it's a word that means to stun him. It was a, a word used metaphorically to describe boxers when they would fight and punch one another. It was as if the judge was saying, if I don't rule in this woman's favor, she's going to continue coming before me and give me a black eye. That's basically what he's saying. And the woman kept on coming. She kept on persevering. And she did not give up. Jesus then makes the application of this parable as it relates to our prayer life. 
He says in there in verse 6, the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, please do not misunderstand this parable. When Jesus speaks of the unjust judge, he's not describing your heavenly father. What Jesus is doing is what we would call reasoning from the lesser to the greater. He is drawing a contrast for the listeners, meaning this, if an unjust, ungodly judge would rule in the favor of a persistent, helpless widow, don't you know that your loving heavenly father who cares for you, who is concerned about you, calls you his child, refers to you as his bride, don't you know that he will take care of the request that you bring before him? The answer is, yes, he will take care of those things. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Friend, listen today, the Lord is concerned about your request. He is mindful of your needs. He even knows the things you have need of before you bring them to his attention. Sometimes we think that we are informing God of that which he does not know. He is well aware of your situation and he is concerned about you. And yet, there are those who still lose heart when they pray. Consider for a moment why that is. Why do people lose heart when they pray? I think there are a few reasons that we could highlight. For one thing, what a person has prayed for was not answered in the way they wanted it to be answered. And thus, they lost heart. They made their request known to the Lord, but the Lord didn't answer the way they wanted him to. Perhaps they didn't get the job that they applied for, or they weren't able to move into the neighborhood they wanted to move into, or they didn't marry the person that they thought they were going to marry, or they prayed for a sickness that they had, and it did not go away. We prayed, but we did not receive the answer we wanted, and so we lost heart while we were praying. When God does not answer your prayers the way that you wanted him to, or expected him to, or he tells you no, that can present a real test to our faith. Furthermore, the devil will come at that same moment with a temptation to doubt God, may even whisper in your ear, if God really loved you, he would have answered you, But because but, God answers the people that he really loves, but you're not really walking with the Lord. Are you even saved? And, I don't, and these kinds of lies from the devil to doubt the love of God. But when I pray, I am to follow the model and the example of Jesus. When Jesus prayed there in the garden, he said, not my will, but yours be done. He submitted to the will of his father. And this is a model for us when we pray as well. If God does not answer the way I desire him to, the answer that he gives me is according to his will for my life. I do not always understand what God's will is, but I do understand this. I know that God loves me and I know that he has my best interests in mind. And so if he answers no, when I wanted him to answer yes, there is a reason. And God doesn't necessarily have to give me an explanation as to why he did that. He may or may not. And the explanation may not come till I'm in heaven, but I need to trust him. I need to trust that he will answer according to what is best for me. The longer that you walk with the Lord Jesus, the more you begin to understand this. 
there are many things in my life that I have prayed for, that I have asked God for, and that God did not answer in the way that I expected him to or asked him to. Even after I presented all of my arguments why this would be such a blessing to his kingdom. (laughs) God, do you not see? I have a complete model laid out for you. Do you not see the, the wisdom in this plan? Can't you understand, Lord? The Lord knows what's gonna happen to us in the next five months, and he knows what's gonna happen to us if he should tarry in the next five years. And if God answered the prayer the way that I had asked him to answer it, perhaps I would have missed out on what God wanted to do, and it would have affected my life later. God knows what is best for you, and although I don't understand what God is up to all the time, I continue to pray and not lose heart, and I need to trust God. Listen, friend, if you prayed about something and God has answered no, trust him that he has something much better for you in mind. Another reason why I believe people lose heart when they pray is because the timing with which the prayer was answered, it seemed too late, or maybe it hasn't been answered yet. You're in this place of waiting on God. God hasn't said no, and he hasn't said yes. It seems to be wait, and so you continue to pray. I think of Mary and Martha there in Bethany. When their brother Lazarus became sick, they sent word to Jesus, and they said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick, but if you come and and lay your hands on him, he'll be healed. And it says that Jesus, rather than immediately going to Bethany, that he stayed where he was for at least four days. In fact, by the time that Jesus arrived down in Bethany, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus arrived there in the area of Bethany, you recall that both Martha and Mary said much the same thing to Jesus. They said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus, where were you when we, when we brought this to your attention? These two sisters who had lost their brother, they were crushed. They couldn't understand. All their hope was lost. And it, it seemed like it was too late for their prayers to be answered. At least that's what they thought. And then in John chapter 11... Jesus was brought to the tomb of Lazarus and he said to those who were standing by, take away the stone. And Mary, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He has been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There are times when God delays his answers so that when he does answer our request, it is obvious to all that what just happened could only have been through the power of God. It was nothing that you could have come up with. It was nothing that you could have produced on your own. It was something that God alone will receive glory for. And so he delays his answer. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. I believe that in the time of waiting on God to answer, many things occur, one of which I have found is my motives for what I have prayed about, they are refined. What is my motive for bringing this request to you? What is it that I really desire as I present this to you? You know what happens over time? My motives begin to come out and I begin to see my own heart for what's really there and God kind of works that in into my life to the point where I get to the place where I say, Lord, you know what? If you never do what I'm asking you to do, I'm fine with that. I am content. 
And if you never do what I've asked you to do, I will still serve you. I will still do what you've called me to do. It's coming to that place in that time of waiting. Jesus is encouraging us to keep on praying. And there may be things that you have prayed for, and in your mind, they are as good as dead. They are like Lazarus enclosed in a tomb. But don't forget that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, and he has power and he has resources that you know not of, and therefore you must trust him and persevere in prayer and do not lose heart. Keep on praying. Keep on persevering. And also, Jesus points out here in verse 8, you need to pray in faith. You need to believe in the Lord. Look at what it says at the end of verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? The question is, are there people that actually believe the promises of God? Are there people that actually believe that what God has said, God will do? There were times in Jesus' ministry that as he was walking with his disciples, he would ask them that question, where was your faith? He would say, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why do we doubt? If God has been so faithful and God has been so consistent, if we have this history with God, why would we doubt what God is up to, even if we don't understand it? You remember in the book of James, James wrote concerning those who would ask God for wisdom in prayer. He said, ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave on the sea, tossed by the wind. And let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is a double-minded man, and he is unstable in all of his ways. When I pray, I need to believe that God is listening, and that God will answer according to his will. Even if that's not what I think he's going to do, he will do what is best. And so I pray in faith. I think of Elijah You remember when Elijah in 1 Kings 18 was up on Mount Carmel? And after he had called down fire from heaven and the sacrifice was consumed, and then all of the prophets of Baal, those false prophets, were slain. After that, it says that Elijah got down on his knees and he began to pray. And he prayed specifically for rain. It had been three years. The first time he prayed, it didn't rain. And now it's three plus years later, he gets down on his knees and he starts praying for rain. And the Bible tells us that he spoke to his servant and he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and he came back and said, there's nothing. And it says seven times he said to his servant, go again, go again, go again. I wonder if his servant thought, you know, Elijah, um, it's been five times. You know, I think we ought to just call it a day. Maybe it'll rain another day. But he keeps on praying. It's the fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. And so a seventh time he goes up and the servant comes back and he says, I see in the distance a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. And Elijah then said to his servant, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. That's faith. He didn't stop the third, fourth, fifth, sixth until God answered. This is a daily walk with Pastor John Randall, who today continued our study of Luke. Would you like to hear this message again? Just go to adailywalk.org or listen wherever you get your podcasts or call and request a CD copy for a cost of $5 at 877-242-0828. That's 877 877- 
242-0828. Another convenient way to listen to Pastor John is through our mobile app. Be among the thousands that are being encouraged in their daily walk by downloading that today. Find our app by searching for Calvary South OC. Looking for a great devotional to go through here at the beginning of a new year? Allow me to recommend Michelle Randall's new revised A Daily Walk for Women. It's been expanded to 366 daily readings, one Devo for each day of the year, reminding you that in Christ, you never walk alone. Jesus is with you every step of the way. You can order it right now for the price of $15 at adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. That's 877-242-0828 and at adailywalk.org. As the Lord leads, we would also appreciate your financial support. We're consistently hearing from people that are being helped through the teaching of God's Word, and your gifts help to make that possible. So thank you for standing with us in 2024. To make a donation today, to help us continue the ministry on your station and others like it, visit adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. And if you're not a part of our online communities, start following us today. Pastor John shares biblical encouragement throughout the week on Instagram at John P. Randall and on Twitter at PJ Randall 7. You know, there's much more to come in the Gospel of Luke, so be sure to join us next time here on A Daily Walk, where you never have to walk alone. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C.